2: Good morning, it's 8.30 on Tuesday, July 5th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the cultivation of medical marijuana is officially legal in the state of Mississippi. We check in on the budding new industry. And an investigative report by the Sun-Herald and ProPublica looks at how many jobs BP relief funds are really creating, plus hot car tips. All that coming up, this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The state's medical marijuana program is now in full swing. The Medical Cannabis Trade Act officially went into effect July 1st, allowing businesses to begin growing crops and dispensaries can now seek licenses. Qualifying patients are now one step closer to getting the relief they need. Melvin Robinson is with the Mississippi Cannabis Trade Association. He says the medical marijuana industry will bring an economic boost to the state. Here he is with MP. Kobe Vance.
1: We talk a lot about jobs and making sure we have people in the workforce. Well, this is one of those industries that can really provide that. The legal cannabis industry is one of the fastest growing in America. Uh, We now have over 400,000 full-time workers in the nation in the cannabis industry, and I'm just proud that Mississippi can actually uh, become a part of it.
3: What can Mississippians expect to start changing?
1: Medical cannabis will be legal in the state. So that means uh, you can receive a uh, medical cannabis card and uh, you'll receive that from the Department of Health. After that, you can actually go and purchase medical cannabis from uh, cannabis dispensaries. Uh, We have a couple of areas throughout the state that have opted out of the program. And one thing I want to remind people is, even though an area has opted out, if you are a patient there, you can still use your medicine so if you uh you know your town opted out but the town uh over one town over didn't you can still go there purchase what you need and bring it back and actually uh use the medicine there Uh, we want to make that very clear Uh, we have talked to different uh leaderships in different municipalities about that to just let them know hey you know you can be opted out all that you want but Patients of the program can still use their product in those areas.
3: If a county has opted out or any municipality has opted out, they can still opt back in. And I believe some counties have opted out of only specific aspects of the industry. Is that correct?
1: Uh, yes. So the deadline to opt out was May the 3rd. One thing, Another thing that people were a little mistaken about was uh, if their area is opted in or opted out. Uh, Once it was signed on February the 2nd, everywhere was opted in. The decision was if you were going to stay opted in or not. So uh, a lot of places had, well, all the places had until May the 3rd to decide to opt in or opt out. And we had about 30 or so areas to opt out. But for the majority of the state, uh, most stayed in the program. But yes, and they can actually opt back in whenever they like.
3: So will businesses start to plant crops very soon?
1: Possibly, depending on when a cultivator has submitted their uh, application for a cultivator's license and the Department of Health approves them. Once they actually have approval of that license, they can start planting crops.
3: How long do you think it's going to take until Mississippians who have have gotten the ability to purchase medical marijuana will be able to?
1: So um, at the earliest, at the absolute earliest, I would say patients would be able to purchase product in uh, late fall. Um, At the latest, I would say early 2023. Uh, I like to say somewhere in between there. So I would say uh, December sometime when patients would actually be able to purchase product.
3: What are things looking like for businesses in the coming weeks as the program begins to kick up?
1: Uh, Businesses are looking great. Um, One of our sponsors of the MSCTA, Grow Generation. They recently opened up uh, a new store in Jackson, Mississippi. Grow Generation, they're the largest hydroponic supplier in America. And um, having them here really, really, really helps the infrastructure of the industry. You want to have somewhere where people can uh, get their supplies. You don't necessarily have to go online for it. You can just go to the store and pick it up there. And those kind of stores, uh, like I mentioned before, really help the infrastructure in the industry here. Um, a lot of other businesses are coming, and a lot of these businesses, like a lot of these larger grows, do a lot of things as far as improving property value in the areas around them and bringing jobs. Uh, one of our members. Mockingbird cannabis—they're looking at hiring two, two hundred people. So these are these kind of businesses that want to bring a, a a good amount of jobs for a great wage to a lot of different Mississippians. It's something that should really be celebrated.
3: And how are those efforts going for hiring right now?
1: So uh, a lot of cannabis, a lot of different cannabis companies are uh, hiring right now. Uh, a lot of them are having uh, great processes. Uh, a lot of them are finding a lot of uh, great uh, people in the workforce to hire. We haven't heard that many complaints about the workforce right now. And we're just happy that people can uh, have these jobs, people can be a part of the workforce, these companies, they can come in, they can hire Mississippians, and they can improve the quality of life around Mississippi.
3: And over the past few months, we've seen the Department of Health developing different regulations what are what has been your thoughts on the, those developments, and do you think Mississippians are going to be able to get um, a healthy product that's going to be effective?
1: Uh, well, first, I would like to um, thank the Department of Health and the Department of Revenue for uh, being very on top of things. Uh, they have had a very, very narrow window to actually get this accomplished, and they did. So uh, kudos to them first. Um, really appreciate everything they have done. Um, I think that we are going to have a very high quality of product in Mississippi. Uh, the testing labs that we have here will be uh, incredible, and we have a very high standard for their qualities. As far as the rules and regulations, uh, of course, there are always things, you know, we can change, uh, things that will be changed. Uh, but like I was telling a lot of people, hey, the bill isn't perfect. The rules and regulations aren't perfect, but we have a program. We actually have it here. So now we can improve upon what we already have.
3: Is there anything else you'd like to share with Mississippians before we go?
1: Uh Just remember, please be patient. This is a new process for everyone here. Uh, if things aren't going out as quickly as you would expect, just have a little patience. And I know that can be hard, especially if you're a you know, a mother with a sick child or if you're someone that is suffering from one of the illnesses that this will cover. But, you know, we just ask for patience. And uh, I'm just happy that we have something here where we can create a very healthy and robust program.
3: Melvin Robinson is communications director with the Mississippi Cannabis Trade Association. Melvin, thank you for talking with us today. Thank you, Kevin.
2: Coming up, an investigative report by The Sun-Herald and ProPublica looking at how many jobs BP relief funds are really creating. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. It's been 12 years since the Deepwater Horizon rig, operated by BP, exploded in the Gulf of Mexico. It killed 11 crewmen and brought environmental devastation to the Gulf Coast. Since then, $55 million have been allocated to Mississippi to promote recovery efforts. Business leaders hoped state legislators would use money from the oil spill to transform the coastal economy. But as Anita Lee with the sun herald and ProPublica tells us those efforts have only yielded 33 permanent jobs. We started our conversation by asking, why take the deep dive into how this money is being spent?
4: Because we have been um, for several years now getting news releases and and running stories about this project is getting this much money, this much money is going here, this much money is going there. But nobody has taken a look at, um, and it's a lot of money, um, in a state that can really use uh, money for economic development. And the Mississippi Coast certainly needs some um, strong economic development um, activities. So I just felt like someone needed to look at whether this money was, um, how how it was being spent and what was actually coming of these projects that were being funded and it just as a journalist bothered me that that we hadn't been able to step back and do that and pro public working with ProPublica, gave us a chance to to do that
2: what are the expectations when this money was allocated for bp oil recovery
4: well, the business community wanted to see transformative economic development, economic development that would um, boost wages for the region, uh, economic development that would um, spread across the region, and uh, boost boost wages and and property taxes as, as as well. You can have economic development that does either or 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 both of those things. Um, but um, that was the hope with the money. And also another hope was that possibly this money would be put into a trust so that it would grow, and you could have a lot of innovative programs through the trust, loan programs, and various programs to um, keep the economy growing and to keep the funding coming if you, if you manage the money correctly.
2: Well your title gives away 33 jobs that not many jobs have been created what is happening with the money Well most of the money
4: is going for government projects um one disappointing thing is that more um private private groups haven't put investments into these projects um, MDA says they can't hold governments accountable for creating jobs that third parties will eventually. That's Mississippi Development the, Authority the agreements. Right, the state economic development agency. The agreements in, in most cases are with government entities, um, and they are doing um, projects to, to try to generate tax revenue. And uh, try to, there, there are many different types of projects in this program that do various things or, or hopefully. So um, the NBA just says that that uh, the governments won't be creating the jobs. They will be relying on third party private individuals to come in and do that. And the grant agreements that are signed, the agreements that hold the receiving party responsible, um, can't, um, include jobs for government agencies.
2: How is it that this money is not generating more economic development in jobs?
4: Well, you know, legislators are hopeful that it will, but one economic developer I talked to who looked at the projects that have been approved said said it seems to be speculative economic development. In some cases these uh, jobs might eventually and tax revenue might eventually materialize and, and, and others they may not. Um, a lot of these projects haven't even started yet. Um, I think we had a, a figure in there that uh, we have um, of, of almost half the projects don't even have grant agreements yet. And the grant agreements are um, what would allow allows the projects to start you can't you can't start receiving reimbursement for your project until you've signed a grant agreement um so we don't know what's going to happen with many of these projects but um very few of them include private investment you do have some that that look promising Um, USM's Ocean Enterprise is really advancing the blue economy. They're receiving a lot of government funding from various sources, including federal. And they've already attracted a company here from California, Ocean Arrow. And they are, um, it's a high tech company. They're doing um, unmanned autonomous underwater vehicles. And they've got, I think, 44 employees now. And we're attracted here by the um, technology hub that's that's coming about uh, because of um, a, a lot of due in part to the, the research and the work that USM is doing. It's not all dire, but but part of the problem I think is the the um, the coast being willing to come together regionally and and work as a region because as one of the legislators explained to me, these these local governments all want their own projects. And if the project is not based in their city, their schools and their city government won't get the benefit of the the tax returns. So um, part of the challenge is is getting the um, coastal area and the six, six South Mississippi counties that are in this program to think regionally and work regionally and realize if you, you have an economic driver, say, in Gulfport, Mississippi, it's going to benefit the outlying um, localities in terms of population growth, wage growth, job
2: growth. Anita Lee is a reporter for the Sun-Herald and a member of the ProPublica local reporting network. Coming up, hot car safety tips. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep
1: South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app.
2: This is Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The sweltering heat of summer can present an array of dangers, including hot car related deaths and injuries. Ten hot car deaths have been reported nationally already in 2022. With daily highs regularly in the 90s and real field temperatures in the triple digits, southern states have a higher rate of these incidents. Jim Pollard Public Affairs Manager for American Medical Response, shares tips on how to keep kids safe.
0: We have to remember um, cars get awfully hot in a hurry, uh, a car temperature inside. Uh, even with the air conditioning on, the windows cracked, uh, is just not good enough to do that. Uh, cars can get uh, hot by almost 20 degrees within just a few minutes and uh children uh, especially small kids uh because of the way their bodies uh, are uh put together uh tend to absorb heat faster and more heat than adults uh, kids uh, little kids tend to absorb heat 3 to 5 times faster than adults um here's some really concrete uh tips uh but the bottom line is never never leave a child unattended in a car or a truck, no matter how briefly you're going to be away from the vehicle, and no matter what the outside temperature is, because vehicles can get truly uh, life-threatening temperatures in a hurry, even in a fairly moderate weather, get in the habit of checking your vehicle's interior front and back before you walk away from it uh, if you uh, have small children. Uh, the child passenger safety experts use the expression, look before you lock. Uh, here's some uh, suggestions on uh, how to remind yourself uh, to check for the child. Uh, tie one of your child's pacifiers or a small toy on a string hang hanging around your neck. And when you get uh, to your uh, destination, uh, even if you don't notice uh, the uh, toy is around your neck, then someone else is likely to mention it Uh, and you can make sure that you drop the child off at daycare, for example, as planned. Also, put in the back seat next to the child an item that you have to take with you when you reach your destination, such as your final destination, such as a cell phone, a purse, a briefcase. Another idea is to put your left shoe next to the child uh, in the back seat. Also, you can place an unmistakable reminder of your child's presence in the back seat uh, by, for example, leaving a good-sized, brightly colored stuffed toy in plain sight on the passenger seat right next to the driver. Make sure you clear off all the other items on the seat so that you're more likely to notice the reminder when you exit the vehicle.
2: What about a diaper bag?
0: Some folks will leave a diaper bag in the vehicle uh, so it's easier for a diaper bag to become, uh, shall we say, the background, something that's uh, ordinarily there and might not be uh, as quick to catch one's attention.
2: Have you found that children tend to play in a car, but on a hot, hot day, it might repel them because it's so hot in the car? But do you find that that has happened where children jump in a car to play and can't get out?
0: A surprisingly high percentage of the children who die in hot vehicles uh, are those that Climbed back in the vehicle into their into their own. Climbed into the vehicle on their own, uh, and, and the vehicle was unlocked. Um, the breakdown is that about 55% of children who die in hot vehicles uh, do so as a result of uh, a caregiver forgetting them, uh, and uh, the, amazingly, about 13% are due to uh, a, a caregiver intentionally leaving the child in the car and then twenty eight percent of uh, child deaths in hot vehicles occur uh, again when when the child climbs into an unlocked vehicle so it's critical to lock the vehicle uh, if you have small children in your household or say in a neighbor's household every time you leave it a substantial percentage of uh, these tragedies happen when there's a change in the routine uh, of who's responsible for taking the child to, say, daycare. Uh, When such a change happens in, in the family routine, both parties should put an alarm reminder in their phones right then and then also call each other after the time that the child should have been left at daycare.
2: At what age is it okay to leave a child in a car? Never. I'm talking about like 12, 13, 17. I would, would in all candor, uh,
0: unless the child, unless the the parents, the uh, caregiver, uh, are one million percent confident uh, that the child is uh, capable of uh, opening the door uh, and getting out, uh, take the child with you. Uh, Why would you want to leave even an 11- or 12-year-old in a vehicle by himself or herself uh, in this day and age when uh, we're so concerned about child abduction, uh, sex trafficking, sex trafficking and related issues? Uh, It's just too much of a risk.
2: All right, Jim Pollard with AMR. Thank you so much for those tips and uh, providing us with practical measures folks can take to keep their children safe.
0: Absolutely. I guess one final thing, uh, Desiree, uh, some newer vehicles uh, come equipped with an electronic device that reminds you when you turn off the car uh, that there's a child in the back seat. But we urge folks, don't rely on uh, that kind of technology solely. It's also uh, critical to adopt some of these practical uh, bits of advice.
2: This has been Mississippi Edition. I'm Desiree Frazier. We'll see you tomorrow at 830 for the next show on MPB Think Radio.